Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to another Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's a special Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast this week, uh, primarily because we're not even in the United States. Now, these podcasts, for I guess for you, it really doesn't matter. We are where you are. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast happens every week uh, in the United States, in Canada, in Australia, in the UK, in Africa, all over the place. I see where the downloads are from. It's incredible. But what I'm telling you is, at the time of this recording, I'm not in the United States. It's a special Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I'm in Bruges. In Belgium right now, the entire Roberts family, me, my wife, brother and sister, uh, brother-in-law, parents, niece, child, all of us are, are traveling Europe. We're within a, a centimeter of devolving into European vacation. I think my dad could go Chevy Chase at any moment, but who knows? At this point, I mean, I've gotten old enough where I'm not exactly rusty anymore. I could be the Chevy Chase, and my dad's just the grumpy old grandpa. I don't know exactly how it's going to wind up. We're about halfway through. But point being, uh, there was no reason to not do a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. We do these shows. We've been uh, a part of your regular routine every single week for the last, what is it, about 193 weeks, something like that. Uh, and so it's important to me that we do a new show every week. And... um. One of the reasons why I wanted to do that is because I wanted to take this opportunity to remind you guys that if you look at your calendars, go ahead, pull out your calendars, you can see that episode 200, because we're right on track, we're not skipping weeks, episode 200 of this podcast, which is a really big deal for any podcast to achieve 200 weekly episodes, it's, it's pretty pretty big. Uh, episode 200 will be airing, will, will be released to the world the week after SummerSlam, the Thursday after SummerSlam. That's when that episode of this podcast will run. So the question is, what are you going to do for it? If you think a month or two ago, we talked about doing something cool, whether it was a guest, whether it was whatever. And I'm here to let you know that we will be doing a live 200th episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I want you all to be here for it. So here's what I'm going to do. Not here in Bruges. I feel like it would be very limiting to do the 200th episode in Bruges. Because while I'm sure there are some of you guys in Belgium, it's probably not my biggest population of listeners. I think my biggest population of listeners is whenever I can get the most people in one space. And the way I get the most people in one space is by the WWE getting people in one space. So, 
the week of SummerSlam. I know a lot of you are going to be in town for SummerSlam. A lot of people come to Brooklyn, whether it's just to go to SummerSlam, whether you're going to NXT TakeOver, whether you're going to Raw or SmackDown. That weekend is a huge weekend leading up to SummerSlam that week. I always do stuff. There's always fun Sam Roberts Wrestling podcast, not Sam Wrestling stuff going on. And I'm here to tell you that next week I will have all the details, but there will be a not Sam Wrestling event going down the week of SummerSlam leading up to SummerSlam, and it's going to be the 200th episode. We will do the 200th episode of the podcast live. It'll be me. It'll be all of you. There'll be guests. There'll be fun. There'll be surprises. It'll be, uh, it'll be really, really interesting. I'm putting it all together as we speak right before I left the States, literally the day before I left the United States. I was having a meeting where I was kind of finalizing everything. And right when I get back to the United States, I'm going to have my meeting where we announce uh, on-sale dates and all that. But I'm going to make sure that you guys get that information first. So that information will come to you next week here on the Wrestling Podcast. But make sure you're in town. It won't be super early in the week, so don't worry about that. But if you're making your plans to come to New York for SummerSlam or... If you were on the fence about it, of course, you can get to some of the events still. Go If you weren't sure if you're going to be in town or not, but you want to be here for this 200th episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, go on to SeatGeek, get your SummerSlam ticket, get your TakeOver ticket, get Raw, get SmackDown. Make an, make, make an evening of it. Make a weekend of it. Make a week of it. New York is a hell of a town. Uh, but definitely be here for it. I'm very, very excited about it. So that's coming up. Uh, SummerSlam week, the 200th episode. But today, for this episode, you know, we're, we're in Europe, as I said, and I wanted to do something special. I'm already in a good mood because I'm still watching. I'm still doing all my homework, guys. And when your homework is to watch wrestling, you know you've set up a good, uh, uh, a good situation for yourself. But I was watching Raw and, like, listening to Roman Reigns. We'll probably talk about it more in the state of wrestling. But listening to Roman Reigns, Bobby Lashley promo and Bobby Lashley's promo about Roman Reigns. I was like, this is awesome. Mainly because I don't know if you guys are feeling it or not, but it's what I've been asking for for a month now. Go back into the wrestling podcast episodes. It's exactly the storyline that I've been asking to see from Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns. Now we'll see where it goes. Obviously, it's leading to extreme rules, but I'm just, I just get so excited when something that I specifically asked for just shows up on WWE TV. It's amazing. It's amazing. So we'll talk about that. But uh, this week, since we're in Europe, uh, I decided to open this episode up to you. I'm thinking about you guys a lot. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do for you guys for the 200th episode. What I'm going to do for you guys on this episode is allow, instead of there being an interview, because right now uh, there's no superstars in Bruges that I know of. You know, nobody's reached out to me and said, hey, man, you're in Belgium. I'm in Belgium. Hasn't happened. So, uh, instead, we're going to open this up to you. Last week, I challenged you guys. I said, go on Twitter and ask Sam something. Hashtag ASS, ask Sam something. As it turns out, that hashtag was in use by uh, other people. And so, luckily, you guys at mentioned me because searching through the hashtag ASS was not pleasant. A lot of stuff that my mother would not approve of me seeing available there. Instead... I did a search for at not Sam, hashtag ASS, and I will now open this up to you guys 
the not Sam wrestling listening public, the not Samsonites, to ask me the questions that you want to know. It's our first ever Ask Sam Something hashtag ASS special, and it goes down right now as our interview segment this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. So welcome into the interview segment. Um, Again, I do have to apologize, okay? This is called an experiment. I wanted to put forward a thing that was like an Ask Me Anything, except number one, Reddit already has ownership over Ask Me Anything. And number two, what if there were some questions I didn't want to answer? What if you asked me very personal questions that I didn't want to – so what I'm saying is most things I would answer. So instead of saying Ask Me Anything, I would say Ask Me Something, hashtag Ask Sam Something, hashtag ASS. When it came time to do this episode, I've said that way if I have everybody hashtag it, all I have to do – is a Twitter search for a for hashtag ASS. Unfortunately, it was cluttered with a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily approve of. So <laughs> that's really funny. It's true. <laughs> so because apparently that word spells something else, I didn't realize. That's so funny. So you just Googled or hashtag searched? If, yeah. ASS. And you shouldn't. People shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, but and don't do it at work. Don't do it anywhere, quite frankly. It was <laughs> disturbing. But, uh, I, I don't know, but with no pun intended. <laughs> um, I did hashtag ASS and then at not Sam. When you search that, you can find all the questions. I got to as many as I could. And instead of having me just read the questions and answer them, since we're here, we're in Belgium, I'm involving Jess, my wife. She, If I'm going to be sitting here doing the wrestling podcast on a family vacation, I incorporate Jess. Now it's a whole family function. Hi. Yes, and we're at a hotel in Belgium. So, uh, And Sam's in a button-down shirt looking very proper. Well, we just came from dinner. <laughs> um, all right. So, Jess, uh, unless there's anything you want to say to introduce yourself. Thanks for having me. Of course. Fans. Uh, why don't, yeah, why don't you go ahead and uh, represent the fans. You can... Uh, tell me what their Twitter name is and, and what question they ask. Okay. Tell me uh, how this is working for you. Oh, I can change anything as you like. Okay. Ar- oh, sorry. At Derek is a brand. He says, hey, Sammy, aside from the great money deal that SmackDown got for going to Fox, what are your thoughts on hashtag SD Live returning to Friday nights? Do you think the ratings will get hurt or will they balance out Sitsons on Fox? Well... Uh, There's one more question. Um, okay, what's the follow-up? And will it change the day you drop your pod? So that's – I'll answer the second one first, actually. So the deal doesn't happen until October 2019. So we've still got a lot of time to think about it. A lot can change. You know, we're approaching episode 200. By October 2019, we'll be past 250. So we'll see. I would imagine, though, we could go back to doing the podcast on Wednesday – if SmackDown moves to Friday, there'd be no reason to wait all the way till Thursday because the reason we do it on Thursday now is because I need a day to record after SmackDown is aired so we can talk about what happened on SmackDown. Now, in terms of the ratings, you know, I, I, I think that if we can learn anything from this deal with Fox, it's that we it's not the late 90s anymore. Uh, the Monday Night Wars are over and 
ratings are not the end-all, be-all, all-important thing that they once were. Okay, when when wrestling – when I first started watching wrestling in the late 80s and early 90s, ratings were not important. TV shows were really just commercials for live events. They made all their money in live events. Eventually, TV shows became towards like the, the early to mid-90s. TV show ratings were still not important, and they became commercials – for live events and pay-per-views. The money was made, live events, pay-per-views, merchandise, but it wasn't about TV ratings. It wasn't until the Monday Night War that anybody paid any attention to TV ratings in wrestling, and that meant anything. You know, I you, you now look at the deal that's in place from Fox, and quite frankly, the ratings for WWE TV, as everything, everyone knows, is a fraction of what it was... 15 years ago. I mean, it's it's nothing compared to what it was in the Monday Night Wars. But there's less people watching TV. People consume content differently. And there's more content out there. It's, it's, it's more difficult to capture eyes. So will the TV rating go down because SmackDown is on Fox? I do not think that SmackDown as a show will necessarily see this grand increase in ratings maybe a little bit because it is on a network instead of cable but friday night is not as good for tv as tuesday night is however that said wwe is a brand the overall rating for that will go through the roof you're talking about commercials and mentions on fox's biggest shows which are sports shows you know you're talking about nfl sunday advertising what's going on on smackdown and it's not such a direct relationship or it doesn't need to be such a direct relationship that it means, okay, now more people are watching SmackDown. What it means is that this Fox station with something as legitimate and mainstream as the NFL is now co-signing WWE. So what the whole thing does is it legitimizes and mainstreams WWE in a way that I don't think it has been done before or that has been done before for the company. So that's a that's a long workaround of saying it. I don't think it matters so much whether the rating increases or decreases because I don't think that it's about that anymore, especially because they're making a billion dollars off this TV deal for a show where the rating, they're making more money now even though the rating, the Nielsen rating, is lower because the Nielsen rating does not mean what it once meant, if that makes sense. To me, it's Crystal. Yeah, good. At Matt Confer one mm-hmm. Sam, love your podcast on Apple Podcasts. Nice. Also love that you're with at WWE now. What are your plans moving forward with at WWE, and will they let you continue your podcast as you get more involved with the company? Hashtag ASS. <laughs> so, uh, so WWE, yeah. I mean, I, as far as I know, they've been nothing but amazing in terms of uh, what I'm allowed to do. You know, people have horror stories coming from WWE about not being allowed to do this, not being allowed to do that. WWE has never even come close to interfering when it comes to this podcast, when it comes to my serious show, when it comes to what I do on YouTube. And if anything, it becomes easier to get guests because, you know, we're all part of the same family. So, you know, I don't ever see WWE, my relationship with WWE hurting the content that I produce outside of there. If anything, it would help. Um, in terms of where... I, what was the beginning of the question? Uh, what are your plans moving forward with WWE? 
Yeah, I mean, I would love to do as much with WWE as humanly possible. You know, I, I think that it depends on where I fit in, what happens over time, and all that. You know, I, I think that uh, people like me and Peter Rosenberg have found this amazing opportunity to still maintain our own personalities and our outside brands while being a part of WWE TV. So I think it just, you know, it all centers around maintaining that relationship of still being an outsider while being part of the family. It's like that cousin that doesn't come visit all that much, but not like the drunk uncle. The cousin that doesn't visit all that much, but when he does, it's awesome. I get that. Yeah, so that's that's that. Yeah. Uh, at Pepsi Graps, hey Sam, any way we can get those pin badges internationally? Really want to get both of them. I'll have to figure that out, I guess. Uh, that's a very nice question. Um, and Too of bad course, you didn't bring some here. You just send them out here. I guess I could have if they're in Belgium. Yeah. But, yeah, they're available at NotSam.com if you're in the States. Um, maybe at some point I'll open it up internationally. If you're traveling to the States ever, especially for, like, SummerSlam, I always bring them. When, if I'm doing a live show that you can make it out to, mm-hmm. I have them there. Um, I don't know, but I will look into it. At Crook All Chris. Hashtag ASS. Been a big fan for a long time. Love your work. I am a big supporter of the UK scene here. So here's a query. In your opinion, who are the ones to watch from NXT UK? And who do you feel there is talent there that can one day be a mid or even main event talent on the main roster? So, uh, you know, I think that that original crop of guys from the first UK championship tournament are just pure gold. I'm talking about Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, uh, uh, you know, Mustache Mountain, those guys. Um, you know, I, I think that those guys, I was kind of surprised that they weren't injected into either NXT a little bit more or into the uh, 205 Live. I feel like putting Pete Dunne or Tyler Bate on 205 Live would immediately make it a, a show that you absolutely have to watch. Um, not that it's, you know, such a bad thing now, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that on this last show, they did such a good job of making new stars out of guys like uh, like Zach Gibson. Um, you know, I thought the Mod Father was great. You know, those guys that the WWE spends time talking about and and gives a backstory to, I think those are the guys that are really going to resonate with American fans. But I think that if you put on shows the way the WWE did for the latest, for the, the kind of announcing NXT UK, all the American fans that I know were excited by that show. And if you, if you do it in that way where you bring in the best of the best from the UK as well as using familiar NXT talent and give these backstories and sort of have Nigel and Morrow there to explain why we should care about this stuff. I think, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit for these guys. I think NXT UK, if they're putting on shows the way they've been putting on shows, could be just as strong a brand, if not stronger, than mainstream NXT. Super duper. Yeah. <laughs> okay. At hashtag Heka. Which is maybe like heck yeah. Or like hecka, like pecka. Oh, probably that. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Hey, why do you think they are playing Kurt Angle as so incompetent? 
I mean, Strowman flips KO's car and gets a match. Bailey finally snaps on Sasha Banks after months of crap and gets counseling. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a, a problem with the way Kurt Angle as a general manager is portrayed because it just feels like he's never going to get – like there's never going to be a, a climax to this story. There's never going to be anything satisfying to come from the Kurt Angle general manager story. You know, you're 100% right. I think the idea that, you know, a rivalry break – can you imagine if Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty got sent to anger management by Jack Tunney? It would never happen. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I wish, I don't mind the fact that Sasha and Bailey went to anger management, but I wish there was a more creative way to say this other than Kurt Angle as the general manager just sees a rivalry start on a wrestling show and goes, hey, you two need to go into anger management therapy together. Like, that makes zero sense, especially because it's not like they were, if they were a tag team that Kurt Angle was making money off of on Raw, storyline-wise I'm talking, that would make sense. But if it's just two friends that aren't friends anymore, you know, that's wrestling. So, yeah, I don't like it. You know, I don't like even this week when they did the uh, Extreme Rules thing. When last week Kurt Angle was like, I'm not going to do you guys fighting each other at Extreme Rules. And then this week Roman's like, I want to have that match. And Kurt Angle's like, oh, no, don't worry. Bobby Lashley just talked to me about it. And so I am going to do it. Like it seems like anybody on the roster can push him around. So I don't know. You know, I felt like they – portrayed Mick Foley in the same way. I don't know if that's just what the role of the Raw general manager is. I think it, it, having Baron Corbin there at least evens out a, a little bit because you've got some representation from the other side and you've got some tension building. But, yeah, I mean, I, I really think that the Kurt Angle character needs uh, a, a once-over. At the Jack Francis, if you had to do a five-match card, NJPW slash WWE, Cross promotion, what's the card? I've got a bunch of uh, his thoughts. Do you want me to read these? Sure. Okay, number one is G.O.D. versus Usos. Mm-hmm. Number two is Daniel Bryan versus Zack Sabre Jr. That's cool. Number three is Tanahashi versus Cena. Four is the Elite versus the Shield. And I don't think I know how to say this word. Number five is Okada, Okada. versus Styles. Yeah, um... Let's see. I would probably do – I'd probably have like – I'd go pretty Bullet Club heavy. So I might go with the Bucks and Adam Page versus the New Day. I would want to see – I'll tell you what I would like to see. I'd go like uh, Takahashi versus Braun Strowman just to watch this little guy try to weasel his way out of it. I, and I just think the world of Takahashi. Um, plus, you'd have, you know, the rest of his dudes with him. Uh, I would do, you know, I, I, what I, if you were really going to do this thing right, I would build up to a Cody versus John Cena match. Where, yes. Where you've got Cody kind of being the... That's a cool idea. You know, I'm the guy who you wish you were because yeah. I left and I made it happen yeah. anyway. You're just the guy that the machine made. Right. Oh, man, what a good storyline. You could do it with Roman Reigns and Cody, but I think no. that the Cena-Cody thing would be better. Uh, I would do Omega versus Roman Reigns for New Japan versus WWE just because, I mean, I would love to hear that reaction Omega got if mm-hmm. he were coming out against Roman Reigns. And then... And then again, this is all off the top of my head. So for the fifth one, I'd probably do – you'd have to do Okada and 
He says Okada versus Styles. Yeah, he says Okada versus Styles. I kind of would rather see, and I put AJ Styles on the show 100%, but Okada versus Styles seems a little too much like a New Japan match, and I would more want it, because obviously Styles was in New Japan. I would want to see more of a clash of styles, <laughs> which we, all pun intended, which would be, um, I would put Okada and The Miz together. Oh, what a great show. Because I think, you know, Okada being the Rainmaker. Jess, you saw Okada at a Ring of Honor show. Yeah. He's the one that they threw money like, down on. Those two are such performers, visual performers. And then and then just for to add a six ma- match, I do Naito versus uh, Andrade Cien Almas. Oh, just that's because great. Let's, let's keep it tranquilo. Yes, I like um, that. Yeah, so that's that's what I would do. But I think I think Okada versus Miz mainly because I would want to see the Miz's promos just completely running down Okada. And then again, the reaction, Okada would be able to be the baby face that he is because Miz would be the heel that he is. I think it'd be really cool. Okay. At Rory Mon, how does... Do, what's wrong? Rory Mon. Oh. <laughs> how does Jess feel about you releasing a podcast while on vacation? And there's some hashtags. Hashtag ASS. Uh-huh. Hashtag Mark. You're right. Hashtag Sammy Bram Muffins. Okay. Hashtag miss ya. Oh, that's very, very nice. Jess, yeah. I'll let you take this one. Well, I'm going to say she's fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm fine with it, but I think that this means that we get to do what I want to do tomorrow. Yeah, I'm paying for this one, folks. Yeah. I'm paying dearly. <laughs> I'm paying so much that uh, uh, SeatGeek isn't going to be able to help me enough. Okay? <laughs> that's how much I'm paying for this one. Well, now that I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next one. At WWE Front Row, mm-hmm. at Not Sam, we've heard so many things about Rhonda and how she's fit in backstage. What have your experiences been interacting with her? That's actually a great question, WWE Front Row, because I will tell you, I uh, had my, uh, I don't want to say my guard up, but I was certainly ready for this thing of like, okay, a celebrity is here. Yeah. And then when I found out she's going to be on multiple shows, it's like, I was like, huh. I wonder, is this going to be one of those things where the celebrities here, they just get rushed in? I'm going to tell you something. I have watched shows uh, in catering, and Ronda Rousey is there the whole time. When Ronda Rousey, is, you know, she'll sit outside the gorilla position and watch matches. Uh, the last show in Chicago, Money in the Bank, she watched uh, the matches that she wasn't in. She was watching with all the other women, and they were all kind of gleefully watching the same stuff. Ronda Rousey... Uh, is a true fan. I've talked to her multiple times backstage. She's been nothing but great. You know, after WrestleMania, I got to go up to her and compliment her on what an amazing job she had done. And she was so, you know, genuinely happy with the fact that people appreciated that match as much as they did. This is Ronda Rousey's dream, for real. Like, Ronda Rousey is the real deal. That's why I think it's translating so well in the ring uh, she is absolutely just like everybody else backstage. No sort of, uh, uh, you know, there's an agent between me and everybody else. I you go through my publicist before you come to me. Nothing. She's there. She's watching. She's talking to everybody. She's hanging out. Uh, she's just like any other upper tier athlete that's a part of WWE. It's amazing. It, it's an amazing thing to see because she doesn't have to be. She cool. could be awful. Yeah. And get course, away with it. I mean, she's she has accomplished enough that she's allowed to be awful 
and she's not. If I'd accomplished that much, I'd be horrendous. And she's the opposite of awful. She's very wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. She's lovely to be around. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that character. What a slam dunk that character is. Okay. Well, you're a woken warrior, Jess. I am. I'm totally woken. At Hemet thirteen. Mm-hmm. Hey Sam, what were your thoughts on the last NXT Takeover Chicago? Amazing. I can't believe the things Triple H is doing with NXT and the roster that he has right now are amazing. This is the best NXT has been at least since that first crop of of TakeOver, since like TakeOver Brooklyn 1, since the Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Enzo and Cass, since that class, this is the best NXT has been at least since then, if not maybe even better. The stories that are being told in these matches are like nothing I've seen on WWE TV with this type of regularity. Like the the Gargano Ciampa stuff will go down and needs to go down as some of the best storytelling in wrestling ever. When I heard that Gargano Ciampa were going to go for a second time in Chicago, it felt to me like... I just saw this match. It was amazing. You know, their first match, the uh, non-sanctioned match, was like one of the greatest things I'd ever seen. And the entire NXT roster was sitting there acting like complete fans watching that match. And that doesn't really happen that often. That's how good the match was. Uh, When they were going to do it again, part of me was like, I don't know if, uh, if I need to see this. You know, I don't know if it's that. But it was worth it. It was so good. It might have even been better. Uh, it, it didn't feel like it was rushed. The story that was told at the end of that match where Gargano did what he never thought he would do and then it backfired on him and he decided to go over to the dark side, but that's not him. So the dark side overtook it. It was just amazing storytelling. you know. And then I think you start coming down that roster. Uh, uh, Shayna Baszler is just incredible. I'll never say enough good about Shayna Baszler and the character that she portrays. Uh, Velveteen Dream and Ricochet was the match that I was looking forward to on that card the most. They delivered on every single level. I think Aleister Black is an incredible NXT champion. You got a guy like Lars Sullivan on the come up. You have a roster that's deep enough that you can actually have a conversation about who the number one contender really is. You've got EC3 now. You've got When you've got a takeover and EC3 and Adam Cole don't even make the show because it's too jam-packed, You've got an insane roster. So uh, I thought TakeOver Chicago maintained a role that NXT has been on since 2018 started with just a better TakeOver after a better TakeOver after a better TakeOver. And every time you watch one of these shows, you're like, there's no way. Like, we just hit the peak, and they just keep getting better. NXT on the low is something that I am so happy to be a part of on those pre-shows. Like, so happy because I'm watching this thing and I'm going, without irony, this is wrestling. When they chant it, it's because it's true. You watch these NXT shows and the TV shows are awesome. Like, you know, you can go back on this podcast and when NXT first started doing road shows, you know, Lindendahl and I went on that loop where they went to 
Philly and Buffalo for the first time. I talked about NXT constantly. I had the NXT guys on the show before they were on the main roster. And I am feeling just as strong, if not stronger, about today's NXT product as I was, you know, when NXT was first sort of becoming the monster that it is today. I can't say enough good about what NXT is doing in 2018. Was it Adam Cole that we got to interview when we were passing, both of us were passing through Los Angeles together? Well, I mean, that was a great weekend because that was the weekend that we went to PWG, right? Yeah, that was so, really fun. Wait to hear this. All bef- before any of them were in WWE, mm-hmm. Jess and myself were in Los Angeles. We interview Adam Cole uh, on, a, on a balcony in a hotel. Yep. Right? Who is such a sweetheart. Right. Such a joy to be with. I mean, yeah. And he's been on this podcast a million times, and I just love watching this guy's success. We then go to PWG with the person who we're staying with, Kathy Kelly. Kathy Kelly. Then the next day. And who's at PWG? Well, then the next day. And that's because Adam Cole was there. Yeah. And the next day, at a, on a stoop in Los Angeles, we interviewed 205 Live's Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak. So that whole weekend. He's killing it. Yeah. And all those, all that stuff is on the podcast and on the YouTube channel and stuff like that. But yes, that was Adam Cole before PWG. Uh yeah, in, on a balcony in a motel. Yeah. Yes. That's a good memory. You loved it. Okay. At Catherine Kelly. And by, oh, hang on. And by the way, we also, you were with me mm-hmm. when we interviewed the Bullet Club. For sure. I was Adam there. Cole yes. and the Young Bucks. Yes. Yes. So. And was I pregnant? Maybe. I think I was. Maybe. Because they were talking about their kids. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so at Kathy Kelly. Is the at name? Kathy Kelly. No, Catherine, you mean. Yes. Yes. At Catherine Kelly. Mm-hmm. Apologies. I feel like people are going to be very let down when you're trending on this hashtag. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's right, Kathy. Do I still get credit for the trend? I think so. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm moving on. At It was a mistake. <laughs> I had no idea. Well, will you repeat it? The yes. Mi- yes. Pro- I mean, we've, I already, right? we've already branded it pretty heavily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At Jason BSTL. Mm-hmm. What are your top four matches for WM35? Oh, that's a great one. WrestleMania 35. Right now. Okay, because we're way far out. So it's not exactly fair. You can't hold me to any of this. Um, but if if today, and I'll, I'll try to explain how I get to some of these too. If I had to book WrestleMania 35 right now, top four matches, um... Brian versus The Miz for the WWE Championship. I would have Daniel Bryan and Kane with Team Hell No stay together past SummerSlam. So I would have them win the Tag Team Championships at Extreme Rules, defend them at SummerSlam, and at least go to Survivor Series. I mean, I don't know how long Kane is going to be on TV because he's going to be the mayor too. But um, I I would keep them on TV together as long as the storyline would permit I would then have Miz win the WWE Championship at SummerSlam against AJ Styles. I would have a Miz-AJ Styles feud last until Survivor Series, at which point AJ would have to move on. Between Survivor Series and Royal Rumble, I would probably have the Miz feud with Samoa Joe because that's one where we believe Samoa Joe could beat him. And then after he got past Samoa Joe is when Daniel Bryan would finally get his opportunity and headline WrestleMania 35 or be one of the main matches 
with that WWE championship on the line. So there's one. Um, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte is one that I would do. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would have Ronda or Charlotte win the Royal Rumble, but I would have one of those two. I guess Ronda, because it would have to be Ronda's shining mo- moment. So I would probably have Asuka win the WWE Championship at some point. Um, I would have Charlotte win the championship. Maybe Charlotte could win the championship in February, right? So we think we're going to get Asuka versus Ronda. It's just, it's very predictable to do Charlotte versus Ronda. So I don't exactly know how you get there, but I'd have Charlotte walking into WrestleMania 35 as champion and Ronda beating her for the championship. So there's number two. Number three, this is my universal title match. Um, between now and then, I would have Braun Strowman beat Brock Lesnar for the championship. Maybe it's Survivor Series. Um, just because I think Braun Strowman winning that championship from Brock Lesnar would, would be huge. Uh, I would then make it look like you're going to main event WrestleMania with Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. People boo. Maybe it... Royal Rumble, maybe in February, I would add Seth Rollins into the mix. So my Universal Championship match is a triple threat between Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Braun Strowman. I would then have Seth Rollins pin Roman Reigns in the match, win the Universal Championship. So not only would you get the satisfaction of seeing Seth Rollins wins, you get the satisfaction of seeing Roman Reigns lose, and you get the satisfaction of now watching Braun Strowman try to chase Seth Rollins, but Seth Rollins is not like the chicken heel. He's not doing what, like, Kevin Owens does. Seth Rollins stands up and fights this guy, and I just think it would make for a very interesting dynamic. Uh, I would then, wait to hear this one. This is going to blow your minds. You'd have to do some work, um, and this would be, it would depend on people's contracts. But I would start to tell the story, like really make clear the story that you've been telling with John Cena. And I would explain that we've been watching John Cena lose basically since last October. We watched him lose to Roman Reigns. We watched him suck at the Survivor Series. We watched him lose the Royal Rumble. We watched him get squashed by The Undertaker, right? I would probably have him lose one or two more times before the Royal Rumble. I mean, before WrestleMania coming up, WrestleMania 35. Um, At that point... I would start to build a match between John Cena, who's now got to come back, and WWE's newest signee, Kenny Omega. And I would have John Cena's big Can I Come Back match against Kenny Omega, the new signee at WrestleMania 35. So those are four. And as I think about it right now, I would probably also have Undertaker versus Dean Ambrose. For WrestleMania 35. I think that, that would be really, really cool. But that's five matches then. So there there you go. That sounds very exciting. Yeah, it'd be very exciting. We'll get back to your questions in a minute. But as I said earlier in the podcast, we've got a big 200th episode coming to you from New York City SummerSlam week. Now, if you're thinking about coming into New York City, you're going to want to make other plans that week as well, right? Fully flush out this trip. You're going to want to see... 
NXT TakeOver, SummerSlam, Raw, SmackDown. Some of these shows, maybe all of these shows live, but how do you make sure you get tickets? How do you make sure you get the best tickets? How do you make sure that you get the best value tickets that are going to be fully guaranteed to be authentic? Well, look no further than SeatGeek, one of my very favorite sponsors to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. SeatGeek is the best place, the smartest choice for you to get your tickets. Here's the way it works. You're going to download the app onto your phone. You're going to sign in. You're going to look at the events either coming to your area or the area that you're going to. It could be wrestling. It could be any sport. It could be football, baseball, basketball. Whatever's in season, SeatGeek's got it. You're coming to New York. You want to do something that's not wrestling related. They've got Broadway. They've got comedy. They've got concerts. Every ticket that you need is available on SeatGeek. And not only do they give you the seating chart so you know exactly where you're sitting, but they color code everything so you know where you're getting the best value. They bring all the data from all these other ticket sites. They give it to you in one centralized location right on your smartphone. It's unbelievable. The only ticket app on my phone is SeatGeek. And I believe in it so much. I want you to try it so much that I'm going to give you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. If you've never used SeatGeek and you want to try it out, now is your opportunity to get an even better value by getting $20 off your first purchase. All you have to do is put in the keyword SAM, promo code SAM. Sign up for SeatGeek and enter the promo code SAM. Once that promo code is locked in, you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. So what I want you to do is find the best deal on SeatGeek. Find the deal that you're going. It's not going to get any better than this deal. Then enter the promo code SAM. And boom, it just got even better. With SeatGeek and promo code SAM, get that app on your phone and get it today. Okay, at Owens11B, yeah. not Sam, mm-hmm. can you give us a glimpse into what your day is like backstage when you're at a pay-per-view? Uh, yeah, I we generally, I get there around... 12.30 or so in the afternoon, uh, put my stuff away, depending on who I'm there with. If, uh, if, if it's an NXT day, that usually means uh, Pat McAfee and myself are going to spend the whole day hanging out. Um, once the production meeting, I get something to eat. Once the production meeting is done, uh, I talk to uh, usually Mike Mansuri and Michael Cole about kind of how the day is going to go, what the plan is for the uh, kickoff show. Generally, we already know what the plan is, but if things change sometimes in that production meeting, that's when we find out. That's also when we find out when we're going to do a run-through of the show just so everybody's comfortable with all the material. Um, Hang out. Uh, I'll uh, sometimes sit in the arena and kind of collect thoughts, take some notes, figure things out, you know, because we just then learn who's going to be a guest on the show, blah, blah, blah. Then we'll go and do a run-through. Not of the entire show, usually, unless, uh, well, sometimes we do, but usually not of the entire show. And that's more just to get comfortable with the pacing of it, um, because we're not, I'm not scripted whatsoever. Uh, None of us are, really. Uh, We're just asked to give our opinions. Uh, And then, uh, technically, we make sure everything's ready. That lasts for a little while. Then we, uh, and then go and get something else to eat, get makeup done or whatever, and then go do the show. Uh, live for the hour or whatever it is uh and then after that decompress a little bit watch the show uh sometimes i usually start by watching the show in catering and i'll get uh cereal 
I'll get Lucky Charms or Apple Jacks, some kind of junk food cereal, and I'll watch the beginning of the show with my cereal. Usually somewhere in the middle of the show, I'll sneak out into the audience and, and pick a match or two that I want to watch with the audience just to get a feel for what that's like. Like at the Royal Rumble, I watch the men's Royal Rumble match with the audience. Then I'll go backstage again, find a monitor somewhere to watch. If I want it to be a little bit more quiet, I'll go into a dressing room where there's a monitor set up. If I want to hang out with some people, I'll go to uh, uh, whatever. There's usually a, a, a talent viewing section or catering has a monitor or whatever it is and watch it there. And then once the show is done for the evening, uh, say my goodbyes and, and that's that. Is that a good enough picture? Is that interesting? Yeah, I liked hearing about the cereal. Yeah, I have all my little rituals. Yeah, I, okay, so I get there. As soon as I get there, I have my first meal, and it's usually whatever grilled chicken there is, <laughs> and then lettuce, tomato, carrots, and soda. Pepsi, sometimes they get very, very excited because depending on the location, they'll have different sodas. If there's Dr. Pepper, I'll go for Dr. Pepper. When we were in Chicago, they had like Fanta strawberry and all kinds of stuff. Ooh. So I'll get that, right? And I'll have my first meal there, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to sit with friends or – and, you know, talk to the guys that I know. And everybody's very, very friendly. And I've known a lot of the guys for a long time now, yeah. which is great. Um, then I'll generally have a second meal before the show. And that's, again, I'll, I'll go back. Because you're there for hours. From yeah, I get there at like 1230. Yeah. yeah. And then usually at that point, I'll see what kind of bread there is and try to make a sandwich with the chicken <laughs> just to mix things up. Probably have a little more lettuce, but then go for another soda. Um then, and I'll, I'll be ta- that's when I've got my – and I always have my notebook with I'm me. I'm assuming you're the only employee that has soda at the event. I don't know, but I really like soda. <laughs> it's my favorite food. That, and I always have my notebook with me as I do anyway, but just writing down little ideas that come into my head. The marble notebook. That's right. Yeah. Then I go and do the show, do the thing, blah, blah, blah. Then I come back and I have – Lucky Charms or Apple Jacks or whatever it is. That sounds like a good celebration treat. And then once the show starts, like once we're deep into the show, the food at catering goes away. They stop. They don't keep making it oh. because they got to clean up and move on to the next yeah. town. But they have Uncrustables, the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They do. They leave those up for everyone? Yes. So I have one of those That's a lot of the time. <laughs> yes. yes. I yes, love I do. that. Yes, I do. I oh. eat well. Yeah, it sounds like you eat like five times. Sometimes if I'm if I go to a show and I go backstage, but I'm not actually working on the show, I feel like I'm just going for the free dinner, <laughs> and I don't feel good about that. But I eat the dinner. But you still do. Yes, I do. At Smiler Bull, what are your thoughts on WWE building up the rivalry between Sasha Banks and Bailey for months, getting to a point where Bailey finally has had enough, and then turn it into a comedy segment with a therapy session? just feels like a letdown when we know their potential well no i don't think that's 100 percent fair um i'm okay with it and i will tell you why number one i didn't think it was a bad segment i think that i personally think that the wwe needs to on top of the writers that they already have the television writers i think they need to invest in a couple of pure comedy writers i think that the writers that write comedy shows i think wwe needs to invest in comedy writers to up the comedy a little bit. But I didn't think it was a bad segment. Uh, I like the character that they brought back, that anger management therapist. I like that, Dr. Shelby. Um, I thought that that was clever. And and I really didn't mind it, and I'll tell you why. It's because I want this rivalry to last. I'm not ready to have the Sasha Banks-Bailey match at Extreme Rules. 
And I certainly don't want to have the blow off on an episode of Raw. I want Sasha Banks and Bayley to finally come to blows at SummerSlam in Brooklyn, as I said last week, because that is returning to the scene of the crime. That's where Sasha Banks and Bayley had their five-star classic TakeOver 1 Brooklyn match. I want that the, the this match, I want this rivalry to come to a head at SummerSlam in Brooklyn. It's very, very important to me. So, in order to do that, we've got to stretch this story out, right? We've got, it's the beginning of July, we've got to last this until whatever it is, the third week in August. And you, things move quickly in WWE nowadays. So I think if we get two weeks of Dr. Shelby skits, that's two weeks of that match not happening. Now we're going to get past Extreme Rules. Now maybe there'll even be this period of, uh, okay, maybe they're fine, maybe they're back together, and then they break up again. You know, I, I'm okay with it because I want to wait until SummerSlam for the match to happen. So it's 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 the the ends justifies the means for me. But I, I get what you're saying. But I don't think they're throwing away the storyline for a comedy routine. I think it's just the direction that it took this week. At Stuhart's Dungeon. Whoa. What is the best match you've been in attendance to witness? I was at WrestleMania 25 huh. and saw Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, and it was a privilege to be there. That's a great question. Uh, off the top of my head, you know, I was there in Brooklyn for Sasha Banks versus Bailey at TakeOver Brooklyn 1. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, you know, I was at Survivor Series 96 and got to see the first Bret Hart versus Stone Cold match. Not the WrestleMania match that was better, but that was still a good match at Survivor Series 96. I, my first show ever was SummerSlam 92 where I got to see Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog and I was only eight years old. That was amazing. Um, so those are some really good ones. You know, in terms of memorable moments, I got to sit in the audience at Madison Square Garden when Triple H made his comeback after his quad injury, and that was about the loudest reaction I've ever heard. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if I really racked my brain and started going through all the shows, he watches the shows. I'm sure that I could, I could come up with more, but those are, those are three great examples, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I apologize in advance for your last name, uh, for me messing Roberts. it up. Roberts, oh. <laughs> at Damien Tadich. Okay. At Not Sam, where were you and how did you react when you found out you would be working for the WWE? Um, I was at home and I got a phone call from Michael Cole and he uh, kind of pitched – this thing that they wanted to do with the pre-shows. Um, and I said, yes, I would be willing to do it. Uh, I, you know, I talked to my attorneys, tried to figure out if it was the right move for me. I'm just kidding. I was over the moon uh, when he called and said that it was going to happen. Um, it wasn't something that I expected. I, I completely flipped out. I was on the phone with my dad, actually. Michael Cole was on my the other lines. So I was like, Dad, I got to call you back. Michael Cole's calling me for some reason. And he just told me that, they wanted to bring in me and Peter Rosenberg and do like you know this sort of an outsider's fan perspective on the kickoff shows, and is that something you'd want to do? And it, I I was flabbergasted. It was one of those things that is so good that for a long time it was me and Jesse. You remember I was saying like we'll see if it happens. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the plan right now. Yeah, things change sometimes. We don't know for sure. So I was definitely uh, careful about how, how high my expectations got. 
because it was such a big deal to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was I was flipping out when I found out it was even a possibility. Uh, I didn't believe it was really going to happen until the day of. And when I got there and it went okay enough that they wanted to do it again, that's when it was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. It's a dream come true. That's awesome. Yeah. Here you go. Thanks. Okay, so the next question is kind of similar to the last one. Uh, should I read you the question and you just tell me if we should do it or should I go mm-hmm. to the next? Okay. At Richmond3711, who reached out to offer you a position with WWE and how did that conversation go? Yeah, I guess it's yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Michael Cole was the first person that called and I had known Michael Cole from before. So, you know, I had auditioned. I, I had known WWE for a long time and I've been doing interviews. You know, I was doing interviews on YouTube. Uh, with wrestlers before pretty much anybody was doing them, I believe, you know, in terms of going to those press conferences and actually putting up videos of me interviewing wrestlers. I I, think for sure. Yeah, I was one of the very early ones definitely doing that. And I did it a lot. And I would show up at all these press conferences and I, you know, was working with Opie and Anthony at the time, which was also very, very helpful. But I started to build a reputation amongst people as this guy who everybody knew I was a super fan. Everybody knew I was kind of a goofball. And... I would show up to everything and just do these interviews, and I would post them. Um, eventually, you know, you start meeting people. Uh, you start becoming friends with some of these guys. Yeah, I remember being so excited when we would stand on the press line so you yeah. could interview people, and somebody may remember who you were from the last interview. Right, it was that type that of thing. That was very special. Where it'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're like, yeah. hey, I always like doing interviews with Sam. It still feels that way, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I uh, became – friends at one point with Michael Cole and I became friends at one point with Josh Matthews and uh, I did end up getting an audition for WWE Uh, I got no and it was a commentator audition I think I did commentary I did stand-up hosting and all that stuff in Stanford I got no call back from it I called them a bunch of times they had nothing to say to me it was what it was Um, and it wasn't until years later that I, I and I and I'm glad that it happened that way because I, I far prefer the position I'm in now to any position I would have been in. Uh, yeah, as I said before, Michael Cole called, and uh, he pitched what they wanted to do and said, you know, we're going to have you come to Stanford and just do a run-through so you know what it feels like and we know what it feels like. And then after that, we're going to put you on a kickoff show. You're a broadcaster. You're ready for this. And and then we'll see. And, and that's what it was. We're going to do one. And if it works, we're going to keep doing them. And I said, that's amazing. Yeah, it's such a gift. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I really, I believe, you know, he's not, I don't, people don't realize how good of a guy Michael Cole is. And I, I, I believe that I have uh, an enormous amount of uh, gratitude to show towards him because I believe that, you know, and he has insisted every time I try to thank him that there's no reason to thank him, that this, I'm the one who did the work. But, um, I think that that my name being kept alive was a lot of it had to do with Michael Cole. Yeah, I so that I really appreciate true. that. Yeah. At Manson Anselmo, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on New Jack? <laughs> That's a weird question. Um, the original gangsta. Uh, I grew up an ECW fan, you know, on the East Coast. So from '96 up until they went out of business, I was a huge ECW fan. I went to a bunch of the pay per views at the Hammerstein. I went to the show at the Westchester County Center. I never ended up going to the Elks Lodge because I was young and, and my parents were afraid. 
but um, of Queens. But uh, I, I, you know, would watch every single week. I was flipping out when they finally got on pay-per-view, the whole thing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was always a fan of New Jack. I thought Paul Heyman just did such a good job of figuring out how to make guys shine and how to display a guy like New Jack at his best. Now, you know, as far as a human being goes, you know, I don't think he should have stabbed some of the people that he stabbed in wrestling matches. But that's his business. I really don't know anything about that. My perspective on New Jack is me as a little kid, not a little kid, but me as a teenager, watching a gangster dude have a garbage can full of weapons and beat people up with them, and I thought that was cool. I like that. Yeah. Okay, moving to the next question. At Joe Pressler, in pro wrestling, is there a possible industry change similar to LeBron going to the Lakers? That's a great question, too. I mean, honestly, I think it's already happened. I think you could make the argument that WWE bringing in AJ Styles, Nakamura, Anderson, and Gallows all at the same time from New Japan was the equivalent of the Lakers getting LeBron from Cleveland. You know, I I think if – I think – Either Nakamura or AJ Styles could have you could have argued was at that point the LeBron of Japan. Uh, when you take all four of them, all four combined, like Megatron, are definitely LeBron of New Japan. So uh, yeah, I think that 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 was similar in the sense that too, you know, LeBron going over to the Lakers is such a big story that you want to uh, you talk about it even with non sports fans. Like, that's what a big deal it is. Like, I'll go, like, hey, I don't watch basketball, but LeBron going to the Lakers, huh? That's a big deal. AJ Styles, Nakamura, Anderson, and Gallows coming over was that type of a story where even if people weren't hardcore wrestling fans, I would explain, man, this is why this is such a big deal. So, you know, I mean, I think if... if, I mean, honestly, now New Japan's star power is such that, like, even if Omega and the Bucks came over... They still got Okado and uh, I mean Okada and and Tanahashi and uh, Naito and Takahashi and and all those guys. So I don't think it would be exactly the same. Um, but yeah, I think I think that was LeBron, AJ and Nakamura and Anderson and Gallows. At Sav underscore D, how come you don't talk about NXT and Two Hundred Five Live on the podcast on Thursday? Of course you do Raw and SmackDown. But you never really touch on NXT and especially 205 Live. Uh, I don't know. I think that there's so much wrestling to cover. We only get to what we get to. That's why I try to limit the state of wrestling to five things because I don't want to just go on and on and on and on and on forever. Uh, although, you know, I think that 205 Live has been improving by leaps and bounds every week. You know, I, I think Leo Rush is an amazing addition to that show. I'm a huge Leo Rush fan and have been for a long time since uh, – CZW, uh, I think uh, uh, Mustafa is like his story should be so much a bigger story. I think Mustafa is like that is somebody who the WWE should really be piggybacking onto and and pushing that story out into mainstream. I think he's going to be just a massive, massive star. Uh, so there are those, and like I said, I mean, I'm I'm I I'm so high on NXT, but I also think that. In terms of week to week, those shows aren't necessarily as newsworthy as Raw and SmackDown end up being. So, 
Okay, this one is a statement camouflaged as a question. Oh. At Israel Burroughs, IRT Women's Championships. Do you know what IRT means? I don't. In real in time? In relation to. Oh. In relation to women's champions, championships. Champion, yes, this is misspelled. In relationship to women's championships. Okay, buddy. <laughs> just as men's division, too many championships deludes the... <laughs> I'm having a hard time with this one. I'm, I think I'm getting what he's saying, but go on. So, too many championships deludes the importance of other championships already in play, right? Too many deludes. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it, because that's what I was saying, that the, 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 the question refers to a statement that I made about... Uh, the question of whether a tag team championship or a secondary championship should should be added to the women's division. And I said that because you would have to add that championship to both rosters, uh, the rosters would become too thin to sustain the championships and make it so that real stories weren't being told anymore because, you know, every match is a championship match. I really like the next two questions. At Willie Chuck Jr. Wait, wait, wait. That was it? That was a that was see it was a statement it was an opinion that was like you agree right what's the agreement that too many championships dilutes. well yeah but I don't think that that applies to men like I I think that there says women's right well that's what I said on the on the show I if 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 the question is what about men's championships no that well just in case he meant it that way because that was weirdly worded. Um, oh, yeah, no, no. It says just as men's division. Right. That's why I was confused by yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is like a doctor's writing. It's like very confusing. But I'll say <laughs> that there are far more men on the roster than there are women. And one of the main men's championships is off TV anyway. So, you know, I think you've got plenty of men to sustain two singles championships and a tag team championship. I think if you go to the Attitude Era, when you had the world champion and European champion and intercontinental champion and U.S. champion and hardcore champion and tag team champion and there was no brand split, that's something. But each brand has enough men that they don't have to worry about uh, uh, diluting the brands. They don't have as many women. It's just the number of people. That's all. At Willie Chuck Jr., all of the wrestler entrances, (coughs) sorry, of all of the wrestler entrance songs in NJPW, TNA, and ROH, which would you like to be kept the most when the wrestler comes to WWE? Oh. It's kind of a fun question. That's really interesting. Uh, do they do that? Can they do that? Theoretically, you can do anything. That doesn't happen all that often. Um, Naito. Definitely Naito. That. I think that, yeah, yeah, I would, Naito. Okay, next mm-hmm. one. This is a real good one, I think. Okay. Oh, at Tony T something with a T. Hey, not Sam. Love what you do and enjoy the podcast greatly. My question is, have you had the opportunity to ve- meet Vince McMahon? And if so, please explain what it was like as a wrestling fan. Well, yes, I've, I have, yeah, I've interviewed Vince McMahon a couple times. First time was at the WrestleMania 23 press conference, uh, Battle of the Billionaires, Trump versus Vince McMahon. 
And I was able to get uh, one-on-one time with him because I worked for Opie and Anthony. And I remember one of the local newspapers, the reporter being pissed about it, and was like, well, he wasn't doing interviews except for some intern for Opie and Anthony. And it's like, yeah, buddy, look where I am and look where you are. I think he made the right move. But And then I, and then I interviewed him again, I think, for the McMahon's Mega Millions promotion they were doing. You have a picture with him, and you look very young. Yes. And then I, th- I met him a third time when they did that deal where the Lakers made Raw move to a different arena for the night, and he went after uh, Stan Kroenke. So I met him those times. Very, very intimidating. Um, in awe the whole time. Godlike, I would say. Totally. Yeah, I mean, this is— this He's is, the ruler of his domain. Yeah, and in terms of seeing him backstage, uh, I have seen him a couple of times. I have very, very, very briefly said a hello. Um, at Raw 25, I was hanging out with Tom Phillips, and we were both wearing our tuxedos, and it was early in the day. And he walked out of an office that we didn't know he was in right behind us, and he just walked by, and he went, my guys in suits, love it. <laughs> and, I mean, that was the greatest thing yeah. Approval. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> We've been going pretty long, so why don't you uh, hit me with the last question, and oh. we'll, we'll save the rest of these. Okay, this has been fun. Okay, hang on. Time. Here's the last question. It's a nice one. It's a personal one. Okay. At JDLVA says, hey, not Sam. Yeah. How far did you see yourself going when you first toyed with the idea of adding wrestling to your job, and what would you like to do ultimately, given how far you've made it thus far? Um, I don't like to put uh, end caps on things that I'd like to do ultimately. I like to uh, sort of work within the field that I want to work within, and if it makes sense, create a space that's open enough that there is potential to do a lot. You know, I, I think that if I'm 34 now, I'm doing everything I ever wanted to do when I was 24. Oh, when you were... 14, Exa- yeah, seven, that's exactly right. when I was, six. Yeah, yes. The things that I'm doing now are the things I've wanted to do since I was a small child. But there's no way that I could have mapped out what's happened over the last 15 years or so. Like it just the, – the, the things that have happened could not have happened deliberately, um, which is why I just try to involve myself – in the things that I like and the things that I want to do and want to spend time doing mm-hmm. and just leave room for potential, just leave doors open everywhere because that's the way all this stuff works. I mean, no, to, in my experience, every good, major good thing that's ever happened, like the uh, conversation I was just talking about with Michael Cole, mm-hmm. has not been me pursuing something. It's been something that has just, you know, hey, Sam, we thought of you for this. Hey, Sam, we want to do that. And I go, okay. But in a way, you've always been pursuing it. Well, that's right. But, but in, in a, a global way. In a, yeah, in a, in a broad way, in the sense that uh, uh, you just keep the option open. So a million things could happen. And, and it's not like keep the option open like you're a cool hand Luke kind of a guy. No, it's like you're working very hard. At everything. At everything. Right. You're just constantly yeah. staying in the conversation. And also you do it because this is what you want to spend your time doing. Yeah, this I was going to say that too. Doing. Genuinely. It's not like you're just yeah. hustling for the sake of hustle because you're not that no, person. No, no. You're just working on things that you really enjoy and you're feeling grateful to do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like uh, – I, I, yeah, I like turning my hobbies – I don't like having hobbies – 
that don't have some kind of productive end game to it, if that makes sense. So, I mean, that's why I started a sneaker Instagram. Like, yes. what does that sneaker Instagram do? Like, you know, there's like, you know, 800 followers to it or something like that. Not shoes underscore IG. Is the reason for that sneaker Instagram to make money? Is it to get free shoes? Is it because I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just I like sneakers and I want to expand my content brand to reflect what I like. I want I want to – if I'm going to spend time in my life thinking in, about sneakers and doing stuff with sneakers – I want to be productive about it. And so, you know, that's the way I see all of this stuff. So I I don't see, you know, where do I see myself going with WWE? I could be hosting pre-shows forever. I could be the voice of Monday Night Raw. I could win the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. I could become a writer. I could archive tapes forever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what I'll do with WWE. I would like to stay on the radio as well. What? Where am I going to be on the radio? Who am I going to be doing radio with? Like, crazy things happen in life. Uh, but I, my only goal really, and this is, I mean, the first part of the question was, did you see yourself going this far? Yes. Because every year it's been, how do I get farther? How do I get a little farther? And when, you know, I I honestly got to the place where I was going to WrestleMania and it became so familiar and I was so familiar with everybody that it was like the only way to heighten this experience would be if I worked there. And guess what happened? You know, so it's just a matter of with each accomplishment, and with each year that passes, you try to do a little more. You try to be a little better. You try to grow a little bit. And so, you know, I intend to do that for the rest of my life. And given where I'm at now, I would see it going pretty well. You know, this is 34. It's intimidating because now it's real. But, you know, I, my philosophy hasn't changed. So... You know, it's it's a little bit more difficult now to try to keep growing just because you raise the stakes every time. But that's the way I see it. So, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yep. I don't think you could put it any other way. Well, Jess, thank you for uh, uh, interrupting our vacation time to do this and uh, for being a part of the first hashtag ASS special on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, everyone. Here is Sam Roberts. Man, you Europeans are crazy. I was just trying to plug the laptop in to make sure that I had charge on it and I could interact and everything. And you should see these plugs in these walls. I keep forgetting. I got to get Jess back here with the adapter. So thanks to Jess for being a part of that thing. If she hadn't been reading your questions, that would have been a lot of the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, on this podcast. Nobody needs quite that much. And of course, thanks to all you guys. For participating. I was kind of blown away at the response. I got to as many of your questions as I could without being too repetitive. Um, But we'll do it again sometime for sure. If you guys enjoyed that, if you did, make sure that you hit me up at NotSam and and tell me that you like that format. If it's something that works, we'll absolutely do it again because I had a lot of fun doing it. So as I said, uh, we're in Europe for the week. We're here uh, with my entire family. We started by going to Paris we went from Paris to uh, uh, the Omaha Beach in Normandy, going all the way to Normandy. It's Independence Day, so it was it was it was nuts to see everything that happened in Normandy and and all the structures, the bunkers, 
that are still standing. And just there is so much history surrounding World War II uh, there on Omaha Beach in Normandy. And to see that, we saw it yesterday. Today's July 4th at the time of this recording. So to see that the day before Independence Day in America was unbelievable. We also, of course, went to the cemetery. We saw, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, you see Saving Private Ryan or a movie like that. And you see the visuals and you can kind of understand that it's real life, right? Or you, you hear about it in a history book. Or any other movie besides Saving Private Ryan. We know that this stuff happened. We know about storming the beaches of Normandy. We know about World War II. We know about all this stuff. But it's not until, for me anyway, seeing it in person, seeing the bunkers in person, looking at the beaches themselves. Because, you know, the shoreline is the shoreline is the shoreline. You know, looking at the sand, looking at the way the waves come in, looking at all this stuff, and really seeing it in person and realizing this is not make-believe. These are not fairy tales. This is real life. This all happened for real. Um, and this is why we do the things that we do in America anyway. It's, it's amazing and gave me such an incredible appreciation for, for everything, for, for the contributions the troops have made for Americans and for really, I mean, when you talk about World War II— for the freedom of the entire world. So I just, uh, I've gained, not that I didn't have it before, but I gained a new respect for all of that. And it's also weird that, you know, you go to Omaha Beach in Normandy and there's all kinds of representation for, you know, there's a big statue with a soldier that's, that's dragging another soldier that, you know, represents him dragging him out of the water. Presumably that soldier is injured or dead. But it's right across the street from like a beach pizza place. Like it's very, very odd. I did not expect Omaha Beach in Normandy to actually be treated like a beach. There's a big monument dedicated to the men who lost their lives in that battle, in that storming. And right next to it are like little kids making sandcastles and stuff like that. It's still an active beach. Very, very weird. Very, very weird juxtaposition to see. But either way, just an amazing thing that if any of you get the opportunity to see, you should absolutely try to see it. Uh, as the week continues, as I said, we're in uh, Burge now. We're in Belgium. We move on to Amsterdam, the home of Alistair Black, before we go back to the States. Um, so it'll be amazing. It should be a lot of fun. And I'm glad that we're here. And I'm glad that you guys, in some way, shape, or form, are here with me. I did. I was up late. So... The time change, we're also six hours behind what the States is, what the East Coast time is what I'm used to. So Raw, instead of coming on at 8 o'clock at night, comes on at 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2 a.m. So I'm not watching Raw live or SmackDown live. Uh, but thank God for, for Hulu and all those services because I'm still able to catch up on everything that's going on. So we've got a lot to talk about with Raw, with SmackDown, with Extreme Rules, um, with stuff going on. I mean, we got new champions in Ring of Honor. Uh, Brock Lesnar is probably the big story. A lot to talk about in the state of wrestling here from Europe. So let's do it. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. So here we go. State of Wrestling time live from Burge in, in Belgium here in the hotel. And... Uh, I'm still keeping up. 
I'm still keeping up with everything that's going on, uh, and there's a lot to talk about this week. I thought we should start with Matt Capitelli. Now, I know I go through the five stories, and they're in order, but Matt Capitelli is just where I wanted to start. I don't, you know, we're talking about a man's life here, so I'm not going to sit here and say that the other four stories are bigger news stories than Matt Capitelli passing away, but I just thought that that's where we should begin as opposed to end this week's State of Wrestling. So Matt Capitelli, for those that don't know, uh, was a Tough Enough alum. He was part of Tough Enough Season 3, I believe. He was probably most famous in that season for Hardcore Holly beating him up on the on the show that Hardcore Holly was a guest trainer on. You know, he kicked him in the face and stuff and left his mouth bloody and, and left uh, Matt kind of dinged up and, and rung his bell and Matt was questioning whether he wanted to stay and blah, blah, blah. And, you know... Who knows how much of that is storyline and whatnot. You know, I think that certainly Hardcore Holly legitimately beat him up. I don't know. The fact that Matt Capitelli ended up not only staying through tough enough, but part of the wrestling business in some way, shape, or form for the rest of his life would lead me to believe that his uh, questioning whether or not he wanted to stay in the business after Hardcore Holly beat him up was not, was at least somewhat reality TV show magic and not really, oh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore because, ouch, my face hurts. Uh, But Matt unfortunately passed away due to brain cancer over the weekend. It was something he had very publicly been battling for years. And when I say publicly, I don't just mean he was struggling with this. I mean he was doing a lot to raise awareness for it. He was doing a lot to fight this thing, not just for him, but for people everywhere. Uh, and you could see, I unfortunately never got the chance to meet him, but you know, I always enjoyed watching him when he would pop up. He was one of those that uh, I was upset about not ending up on the main roster at any point. Um, and you can, you can just, you could hear the goodwill that was there for him in the tributes that were to him. I know Miz wrote something. A lot of guys in the business had social media posts for Matt. And uh, I know that uh, he really was loved by a lot of people. And I know that he really loved the wrestling business and sports entertainment. And this was his dream. And it's something to remember. When you watch a guy whose dream got taken away from him for medical reasons, and I mean, and I don't mean, you know, he had some concussions. I mean, this guy had a terminal illness and still managed to stay close to it. Uh, it's definitely an inspiration for a lot of people, and uh, and it really is sad uh, the way it happened. But I'm sure that if this is how he was going to go out, uh, he's happy to be associated with this business. So rest in peace to Matt Capitelli, um, and I think we should all be thanking his family for the contributions that he made uh, to the business. Speaking of the business, we'll go to story number four, which is, you know, originally I thought we were going to talk a little bit about Ring of Honor Best in the World, the pay-per-view that they put on last week, but so much has changed in the world of Ring of Honor since Best in the World. For some reason, you know, I, I believe that the main event for Best in the World was the triple threat between Cody, Marty Skrull, and Dalton Castle. By the way, three favorites of this podcast. I don't know how anyone who's a loyal listener to this podcast would be able to pick a favorite between Cody, Marty, 
and Dalton. Three amazing people, three amazing podcast guests. All of them are up on YouTube. All of them are up in the podcast archives. But Dalton ended up leaving best in the world Ring of Honor heavyweight champion, but has now lost it uh, only a couple days ago to Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal is once again Ring of Honor champion, and I'm a big Jay Lethal fan. I think Jay Lethal is one of these guys who it's kind of astounding that he never ended up in WWE, and it has to just be timing. I think it's it's only timing, based not only on his skill in the ring that we've seen everywhere he's been, but really Ring of Honor, but the fact that he's able to entertain. I mean, think about what he did in TNA in terms of the Black Machismo character and the Ric Flair impressions, even in Ring of Honor when he was with Truth Martini and doing the House of Truth and everything. He has shown so many different elements to what he can do and so many different sides to his personality. It is mind-blowing to me that we've never seen Jay Lethal even in a conversation about WWE. He's never... I, I still... Don't think it's crazy to think at some point he pops up in NXT. But as of now, clearly he's under that Ring of Honor contract. I think you could argue that Jay Lethal, maybe along with the Briscoes, maybe not even at this point. I think you could absolutely argue that Jay Lethal is the biggest strictly Ring of Honor star in the company right now. In terms of name value... You could argue that Jay Lethal is the biggest star who's not in the Bullet Club or on loan from New Japan. And that's valuable. I've said it a lot that part of why I like Dalton Castle as champion so much is Ring of Honor needs to have an existence outside of the Bullet Club. Ring of Honor needs to not allow—to me, one of the most damaging things that happened to WCW— was the way the NWO damaged the brand of WCW. What nobody talks about is that the reason the NWO was so popular was at the expense of WCW. The reason the NWO was so popular was because WCW wasn't cool. Right? That's why the NWO became the coolest thing in wrestling. Because everybody wanted to see a group take down WCW. And what happened? You built this group that was the coolest thing in wrestling. It made WCW less cool. It made everybody who was not in the NWO less cool. And so, when it's time for the good guys to get their shine back, when it's time for the good guys to make WCW look good again, it's not going to work because you've spent too much time damaging the brand. And, and you, you can't. You can't for long-term success. And that's one of the reasons why I think WCW was in so much trouble as the NWO started to fade out because no foundation had been built for WCW so that when the NWO faded out, WCW could still stand. You could say what you want about WWE failing to bring back the NWO, but the WWE survived after the NWO went away. And you can't say that about WCW. So I think that Ring of Honor needs to learn from the mistakes. As much as the Bullet Club uh, has learned from the success of the NWO, and as much as they're a tribute in some ways to the NWO, Ring of Honor needs to learn from those mistakes of WCW. And Ring of Honor as a brand needs to be just as, if not more, valuable than the Bullet Club. 
And so having Dalton Castle as really a Ring of Honor built star as the Ring of Honor champion, I thought was very valuable. I still think if you could get Dalton Castle to a point where he was in the conversation the way the Bullet Club is in the conversation, that he could be very, very valuable. But at the end of the day, as much as I love Dalton Castle, it felt like, and I can't blame this entirely on Dalton Castle, because as much as I'm sure he wanted to be the number one star in Ring of Honor, it was still Cody and the Young Bucks and Marty. And, you know, you were still going for the Bullet Club matches. So, you know, you say what you want, but let's be honest. The WrestleMania show, it was the Kenny and Cody show. The fact that Marty Skrull was challenging for the Ring of Honor Championship that night was an addition. It was a bonus to what was really going on. So, you know, I, I think that the to put it on Jay Lethal is probably just to keep that going that maybe they thought, okay, we can't build Dalton Castle the way we want to with the title on him. We have to give the title to somebody who's a little bit more established so that the title has some more credibility to it. I just personally, and this is probably because I'm biased and I like Dalton so much, I personally wish that they had made the investment in Dalton Castle and made that character become one of the number one values in that brand. Now, I don't think it's time to give up on Dalton Castle, not yet, not by a long shot, but uh, I do think this is a setback for him. Although not being the champion will allow him some creative freedom. There is this thing where when you're the champion, all eyes are on you, everything you do matters. Are you a good guy? Are you a bad guy? How are you representing the company? How are you doing this? And Dalton Castle is at his best when he's weird, when he's controversial, when he's doing stuff that is off the beaten path. And that's difficult to do when you're the champion. When you're the champion, you're mainstream. When you're not the champion, you can do experimental stuff. So I hope that Dalton Castle uses this opportunity, you know, because that's what you got to look at this stuff as. Whatever business you're in, when you get a setback, you really have to look at it as an opportunity. And I hope that Dalton Castle looks at this as an opportunity and looks at it as an opportunity to start being way more experimental, to start making people talk, because that's what Dalton Castle has to do. He has to make people talk. That's what Adam Cole did. He ended up in NXT. That's what all these guys do. They make people talk. Even the Red Dragons made people talk. They end up in NXT. They end up going to that next level in their career. Whether it's NXT for Dalton Castle, whether it's New Japan, whatever it is. Whether it's the top guy in Ring of Honor, that's fine. But he's got to make people talk. And that's what I think he should do now that the title is off of him. And I think Jay Lethal can be a great champion. You know, I think Jay Lethal versus Cody Rhodes for the championship is a big match. Jay Lethal versus Kenny Omega is a big match. Jay Lethal versus Marty Skrull is a big match. You know, maybe doing something between Jay Lethal and Punishment Martinez where the two champions, you know, I think Punishment Martinez is a really good television champion. I think Punishment Martinez is a great Ring of Honor built character that people are taking seriously. He's a big guy. I think that it's a good thing. You know, and I think that, that Dalton should stay away from the title scene for a while and really build the way he was building before he was champion. Really just build so there's 
the Bullet Club stuff over here. There's Ring of Honor stuff over here. But then there's Dalton Castle. And keep that alive. Maybe they rushed it with Dalton. Maybe they, maybe they rushed into it a little bit. Keep that alive where it's almost this separate entity. Oh, yeah, there's Ring of Honor. Oh, yeah, there's the champions over here. There's the Bullet Club over here. There's Naito and the New Japan guys over here. But that's Dalton Castle. Be, be an attraction, right? Nothing wrong with that. Be an attraction. Um, and I think it could work in, in great ways. Uh, let's talk about Raw a little bit. I know we covered we covered Raw um, in the in the uh, interview segment in the Ask Sam Something segment, but I do want to talk a little more about Doctor Shelby returning. Uh, you know, I, I I think it's good. You know, I think the Doctor Shelby character is a good character. Obviously, it was successful. Here's what I don't, didn't like. And it's not just about Raw, it's about SmackDown. This is a Dr. Shelby topic. Story number three is Dr. Shelby Returns. Um, You guys know that I am not a fan of Raw and SmackDown overlapping. I criticize it when Raw and SmackDown overlaps because it makes me feel like I don't need to watch the same show. It makes me feel like there's one writing team for both shows and they use all their ideas on Monday and on Tuesday they're like, well, that worked. Let's just do that with these characters too. And I don't want to feel that way. Now, I don't think that that's actually the case. I think there are a few more complications to it than that. But just as a watcher, that's how you feel watching it. And I don't like that. And I think there were a couple examples of that that to me just kind of hit me. It wasn't as blatant this week as it has been in other weeks. But I found to bring back Dr. Shelby with Bailey and Sasha, that was good. And that was that that kind of creates a different element to the Sasha Bailey story. But to have Daniel Bryan and Kane working out their issues at the same time, one day removed from bringing Dr. Shelby back, even though you didn't make a big deal, you didn't turn it into a Dr. Shelby thing, I don't think Daniel Bryan and Kane are going to go back to Dr. Shelby. The fact that that character was reintroduced on Raw on Monday left me kind of going like, oh, come on, guys, when they started arguing on Tuesday. When Kane and Daniel Bryan started rehashing their relationship on Tuesday, it reminded us of Dr. Shelby from Monday, and we just saw him, and it was like, yeah, I know, we just saw him. We don't have to beat this thing over the head because I'm excited about the Hell No, Team Hell No reunion. I think that it's a great spot for Daniel Bryan. Um... I think that it's going to remind everybody why we loved him to begin with. I think that we're going to get some entertaining segments. And honestly, I think it's a great spot for Kane. You know, I, I, if you're going to bring Kane back to TV, I can't think of a better position to put Kane in than in that spot. So, you know, I, I, I just wish that they would have done something besides reminded me of Dr. Shelby when I was reintroduced to Dr. Shelby 24 hours earlier. The other thing they did, and this might be nitpicking, okay, I thought the Braun Strowman-Kevin Owens segment was fun. Uh, I was shocked when they dragged Kevin Owens out of the porta potty because I, I honestly assumed that they were going to just fake it and just have, you know, through the magic of television, the porta potty's empty. But Kevin Owens, we assume he was in there. But it looked to me like he was in there. He might have been done the old switcheroo at the last minute, but that could have gotten sloppy. It seemed like he was actually in there, which is big. And very interesting to note, that in the PG era of Raw, 
we do not use poop in the uh, in the in the porta potties. PG raw, just the blue chemicals. TV MA, TV fourteen raw. There's poop in the porta potties. So we're family friendly now. We're not pooping in the porta potties in the parking lot. Not even any number one. No no bathroom stuff. Just toilet stuff. We can joke about toilets. We just can't joke about what goes into the toilets, okay? I thought that was interesting. Just an interesting thing to point out. Um, but I kind of felt like Asuka chasing James Ellsworth after James Ellsworth left their match was very similar to Braun Strowman chasing Kevin Owens. And again, I just, for me, the similarities make me go like, oh, we don't have to do that, guys. We don't have to do that. Uh, let's move on to story number three. Extreme Rules is shaping up in a big way. Uh, they're really starting to flesh out what these matches are going to look like. We're a week and change removed. I will be there in Pittsburgh for it on the kickoff show. Uh, and let's look at what these matches are. We've got, of course, the Raw Women's Championship match, an Extreme Rules match between Alexa Bliss, Bliss and Nia Jax. That match was made into an Extreme Rules match this week. I'm assuming that there will be more Extreme Rules matches added to this show, that there will be more Extreme Rules stipulations added, because uh, if not, I don't know why you're calling this show Extreme Rules, but uh, I'm assuming some of the, some more of these matches will be made into Extreme Rules matches. Uh, and we could talk about what should be Extreme Rules matches and what shouldn't be. Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax, I like because it adds a complication in. This match will not be the end of the Alexa Bliss-Nia Jax story. Clearly, Ronda Rousey will be involved in some way, shape, or form. I do not think that Nia Jax is going to win this match uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you've made a scenario where clearly that's the most likely scenario. Nia Jax uh, is not like most girls. She's much bigger than Alexa Bliss. She's beaten Alexa Bliss before Alexa Bliss is afraid of her. Number two, it's extreme rules. Number three, uh, Ronda Rousey is going to be at ringside, which means if it's extreme rules, she can interfere with no penalty, which means she could beat up Alexa Bliss just because she doesn't like her, and then Nia Jax goes for the pin. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that there's going to be some way, shape, or form, and again, we're still a week and a half removed. We'll probably go over all of this again next week on the podcast with new information. Um, but I think Alexa Bliss will keep the title because I think we're going to go into SummerSlam with Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey for the championship. Uh, unless it's a triple threat. We may do Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey for the championship. Maybe it's one of those things where Ronda Rousey interferes, but Nia Jax pushes her away. And Ronda Rousey goes, yo, WTF, and it starts, you know, a, a three-way triple threat rivalry, which I think could be good, and, you know, who knows, you know, with, with Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax, you had a story built in, in the sense that Ronda Rousey has never gotten that, what well, she had, but can she get, she can she get that arm bar on somebody that's the size of Nia Jax to the point where she can t- tap out? How does Ronda Rousey function in a world with no weight classes? like the WWE. That's what that match highlighted. The Nia Jax-Ronda Rousey match highlighted the differences between WWE and UFC. In a match with Alexa Bliss, Alexa Bliss is smaller. 
It seems like a dead giveaway that Ronda Rousey would win. So maybe you add in Nia Jax to the triple threat at SummerSlam to make it a little bit more up in the air uh, and be a little bit more feasible. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Of course, the WWE Championship is on the line between AJ Styles and Rusev. Uh, I do feel like this is going to be a bit of a throwaway leading to AJ Styles versus somebody else at SummerSlam. Personally, I'd like AJ Styles' match at SummerSlam to be with The Miz. Um, but we'll see. You know, I don't know. But I'd like The Miz to win the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. Um, I think it's cool. You know, you're giving Rusev the shot. I just, I think this is one of those where they're like, well, everybody's chanting for Rusev. Let's just give Rusev a title match to say that we did it. Because I don't personally think that this is going to end in a Rusev win or in a long-term story. I also don't think this should be an Extreme Rules match. I think this would be another pay-per-view where AJ Styles as champion is not main eventing. And I think it's a shame. Um, because I think it'll be another show where Roman Reigns is main eventing in a non-title match. And AJ Styles and the WWE Championship are not. Uh, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, the, the leader of worlds versus the B-team. Uh, it's interesting that the B-team won this opportunity like a month and a half ago. They won it before Money in the Bank. Uh, but... Now they're getting their shot at Extreme Rules. Uh, so, you know, as of this time, I think that the leader of Worlds will win. But apparently Bray Wyatt was in some kind of a car accident. So I don't know what that means. I really hope his injuries are minor coming off of that. Because you finally, after all this time, you finally have something for Bray Wyatt. And it's just, it would be a real bummer to not, to have that go away. If he were to be injured now, it would be very, very bad timing. Sometimes in wrestling, injuries do happen at good times where a character could use a refresher and they'll come back stronger than ever. Other times, it's not good news. I think with Big Cass, the injury came at a bad time. And it it certainly didn't help where he ended up and the fact that he ended up getting uh, let go from the company. Uh, I think that this would be a very bad time for Bray Wyatt to get injured. And if he came back... I think he would come back with not a lot of steam behind him just because this tag team is really, really slowly developing steam, but it is developing steam. And I think it's got to be given time and opportunity to develop. I still am such a fan of Bray Wyatt. I think he's got so much to offer. You know, I hope he does get the opportunity to offer that, and I hope his injuries, if if the car accident news is legit, I hope his injuries are not serious. Um I think that the Carmella versus Asuka match should be an Extreme Rules match as well. I think you should make both matches, women's matches, Extreme Rules matches, because I think you got to get uh, Ellsworth to interfere. You know, and I think that, that this leads into SummerSlam with maybe Asuka. Maybe you do, you know, you, you could do a fatal four-way with the women's championship on the line. And you could do Ellsworth, Carmella, Asuka and Charlotte that way you could have Asuka tap out Ellsworth which is what I would do win the women's championship finally and go forward as the women's champion you'd have Carmella mad at Ellsworth for screwing her up because he's the one who lost her title you know so she never got beat she can still do the same gimmick that she's better than Asuka because she never got beat now we've got an interesting story where Asuka is regaining her confidence she's getting her power back you can move into a story where you've got Charlotte versus Asuka for the championship. Can Charlotte beat Asuka again? 
uh, and and Carmella is sitting here going, I'm still the women's champion. I should still be the champion. I just think that it, it that to me would be the most interesting scenario. Make that uh, a Extreme Rules match, have Carmella win because of James Ellsworth's interference, then have the Fatal 4-Way at SummerSlam. Bludgeon Brothers versus Team Hell No. Uh, I think if any team is going to beat the Bludgeon Brothers, Team Hell No is probably the team that I'm okay with doing it. You don't have to make this one an Extreme Rules match. We'll talk about it more next week. Uh, of course, the Iron Man match, it wouldn't make sense for it to be an Extreme Rules match, but I think Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins is going to steal the show. I have no doubt that that 30-minute, from what we saw on Raw, I think that that 30-minute Iron Man match is going to steal the show. I hope that there are not a lot of falls because there don't have to be. Uh, I think it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and I'll tell you next week who I think is going to win. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley. Again, it's the match that I want. It's the best match I think you could have for these two guys. I think it needs more story. And uh, and I'll talk about that in a second. Nakamura versus AJ Styles. I think it's extreme rules. I think Nakamura hits him with a low blow. I think he pins him. I think this is your time for Nakamura to win that championship. Uh, I do think that extreme rules is suffering a little bit from uh, backlash syndrome, where there's not enough of a lead to it. I think pay-per-views are best when there is a five-week lead to it, and it really only feels like extreme rules has gotten three. I think five weeks, you saw it with Money in the Bank, is the ideal time to lead to a pay-per-view. And we really only get gotten, we, by the end of the day, it, it feels like it's only been two weeks leading to Extreme Rules so far. You got one more episode of TV. That'll make it three. I don't think it's enough time. Um, but I still think that this is shaping up to be a pretty decent show. Let's move on to story number one. And I'm excited about it. Let's move on to story number one. And that's Brock Lesnar. It's really been interesting because... There have been news sources like that claim it's wrestling news. Like I, I go to these like YouTube channels that are supposed to be wrestling news, and they go on and they talk about Brock Lesnar and they talk about his contract disputes and they talk about WWE not knowing whether they're going to get the dates that they want out of him. And they talk. I've seen wrestling news sites and YouTube channels talking about Paul Heyman and how. Paul Heyman is not happy with the way Brock Lesnar is being treated and all this stuff. And it's a work, man. It's wrestling. Brock Lesnar is coming back. But I actually, the fact that, so people are complaining that Brock is, is, is getting boring with his matches. And, you know, they booed out the Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania. That's not going to get ignored. I'm not saying they won't do another Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match. I'm just saying they're aware, I'm sure that it got booed out of the building for WrestleMania. Um, you know, I, I, I think that this is a move that's being done on purpose by the WWE. The thing about these contracts is if they wanted Brock to wrestle all these dates, they could either just pay him to do it or they could run out his contract quickly and be done with him. I think that they want this conversation happening. They want us to really dislike Brock Lesnar. They want to build Brock Lesnar as a heel. Um, you know, personally, I, I, I still believe that Braun Strowman is going to be the guy to finally dethrone Brock Lesnar because Braun Strowman is there every week and it's going to make it even more of a mountain to climb. People knowing that, that he destroyed Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar doesn't get destroyed by anybody. Braun Strowman beating Brock Lesnar 
will make Brock Lesnar beating The Undertaker make sense. It will make this entire run make sense. You've had Brock Lesnar squash so many people. Why? Why? So that somebody eventually beats Brock Lesnar and becomes an even bigger star for it and is there for years, right? And it is, is worth the investment that this is. And I think it'll happen. And I think that, that Braun Strowman is your guy to do it personally. Um, but I absolutely think that this whole—I don't think that the quote-unquote contract disputes with Brock Lesnar are real. Um, I, I think that this is all, uh, you know, the WWE's planning— I think that the way they use Brock Lesnar is very carefully orchestrated. Um, and and I think that this is just the direction that they want to go in with Brock Lesnar right now. They want people frustrated with the fact that he's not defending this championship. They want people hungry to see it come off of him. And maybe that's a strategy. They're thinking that, you know, if people want Brock Lesnar to lose badly enough, they'll be okay with Roman Reigns doing it. I hope not. I hope they just come to their senses and put the title on Braun Strowman because everybody will be psyched if Braun Strowman beats Brock Lesnar for that championship. I can't... The ovation that Braun will get is incre- will be incredible. Um, so I hope that they're aware of that. Uh, and, and, and that's where I hope all of this is leading to. That's where I think all of it's leading to. If it were me, that's where I would put all of this. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, listen, don't forget, next week, Listen to this podcast. I'll talk about it at the top of the show. No teasing, teasing, teasing. And the only reason I'm not talking about it this week is because I don't have every single detail confirmed. I don't have an on-sale date confirmed. But we will be doing the 200th episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Probably also going to be the the debut of Not Sam Wrestling. That's where we'll make the switch. Uh, live for all of you guys in New York City, SummerSlam week. Leading up to SummerSlam, it's how we're probably going to kick off SummerSlam weekend with a live 200th episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You're going to want to be there. I'll tell you about tickets next week. Thank you all from Brussels. We'll see you next week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.